everybody. It's your man, Ply Rock, and welcome to another episode of Ply and the Muldog. We figured we'd bring you a quick bonus podcast because we just had Super Bowl 54. It was the Chiefs versus the Niners. And Muldog, I got to be honest, you kind of called a lot of what was going to happen. I'm pretty proud of you considering I put you on the spot and you escaped Mortal Kombat for the first episode. What's going on, dude? How are you? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I, you didn't bring me here to be wrong, so I'm trying to live up to the uh <laughs> That's the true, dude. <laughs> and Mortal Kombat would have been ugly, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we have a condensed version tonight, so let's get right to it. And, and we have three 50,000-foot takeaways, and, and we can drill down accordingly. Okay. First and foremost, um, Patrick Mahomes outplayed Jimmy J. Okay, I agree with that. The Kansas City coaching staff, when it was all said and done, outcoached the San Francisco coaching staff. Oh, I agree with that. And probably most importantly, in a game like this, there are three or four key opportunities, game-changing plays, game-changing opportunities that you either execute on or you don't. And when it was crunch time, Kansas City Mm -hmm. executed on those opportunities, and San Francisco didn't. So when you put those three things together – you get a result that you got. It, yeah. It's not rocket science. You know, it's funny. Uh, after the conversation we had in the last podcast, I had said that defense wins championships. And up until about the last eight minutes of the game, uh, San Francisco's defense was pretty damn good. Well, like but- it was. And then it just it just fell apart for the second biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. The first, I think, being the Patriots over the Falcons, right? Yeah, well, and, and you make a great point uh, about that. And it was those last eight minutes. But before I had given my prediction, I had checked with the NFL and they were going to play all 60 minutes of this game. So I was pretty confident um, <laughs> that when it really got down to brass tacks, my predictions were going to hold. Well, the Niners are a three-quarters <laughs> champion. I mean... They did outplay the Chiefs the first – well, the first half was tied 10-10. Actually, the Chiefs did a little better in the first half. But uh, that defense was still stymieing uh, Kansas City pretty much until those last eight minutes. So I was right for 52 minutes of it. You were right for the last eight. Your eight counts more than my 52. And uh, so those are your three big takeaways of the Super Bowl. Um, and you, you're, you're claiming, you're saying, which is clear because he's got the ring, Mahomes outplayed – Jimmy G, which is he did. And what I liked about Mahomes is he was not sharp through behind receivers, two interceptions, both his fault, missing guys. He was loaded Tariq Hill in a key spot where he couldn't scoop it. The one, the call that got reversed. Uh, He was not sharp, but in the last nine minutes of the game, you know, he wiggled out of a few things. He hit a couple of big plays. They seemed to finally at least take a couple shots down the field, and he was spot on. So at at the end of the day, you know, the whole stew actually looked okay. I don't think he was deserving of the MVP for that particular game, but there wasn't anybody who really stood out. I don't get too, too excited about that type of stuff. But he was not sharp. He was just a little sharper than Jimmy G. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Well, he does get to go to Disney World, right? Or Disneyland or wherever they send him. Is that he still is... the gig? Disneyland? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, after the game, he did say, I get to go to Disney. I think it's Disneyland. I don't know. By that point, I was so overflowing of wings and and chips that Mrs. Ply had made. I couldn't even breathe at that point anymore. So 
where do the teams, you know, I mean, it, it was an okay Super Bowl. I don't rank it up there with a with a classic. Um, Good, not great. Yeah, it was definitely not a boring game. I don't rank it up there with like the Patriots and the Rams, or uh, we had one that or the or the Niners. The last time the Niners were there, uh, when they played, um, who did they play? And it it was uh, he who has who shall not be named, who has tons of uh, heat right now with the NFL. Uh, he was the quarterback, and the power went out. They were playing. Um, the Ravens. They lost the, to the Ravens. Yes, they yeah. lost to the Ravens when the power went out famously. Yes, in the uh, in the new in New Orleans, correct? Correct. So, I don't rank it up there with one of those games, but I don't think it was a stinker like last year's soccer match between uh, when the Patriots uh, played the uh, Rams again. What was that one? Twelve to three or something? It was like to six or something. Yeah, that was, was a rock fight. So, that was simply yeah. a rock fight. That was slow pitch beer league softball. Yeah. This the was final good. score. This was good. So, not, this was good. Not great. Uh, the last nine minutes were exciting. Uh, it was a, it was a feeling out process for much longer than I thought it would be a feeling out process. And and Andy Reid almost waited a little too long to open the playbook. But and good and good day, for him for for saying right afterwards. I don't know if you saw his quote. They asked him this morning. You know, how did you spend the night um, after the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, did you spend it with the Lombardi trophy? And he said, no, I didn't spend it with the trophy. I spent it with my trophy wife. I did so, hear that quote. That's cute. I'm happy for him. He, I think he lost. He was the head coach of the Eagles when Donovan McNabb ran out of gas against the Patriots, correct? That is correct. And he, so I'm, it's, it, yes, it's good to see him yeah. get his ring. He's been a solid coach for two decades at least. I mean, I, I believe he's won ten division championships, and yeah, and this is that. his first one that Marv Levy could never do, could never get that elusive ring. Or Don Shula only had his one, even though he was he only had one, right? Don Shula only had one. No, he lost one with Dan Marino. Well, he lost one originally with the Baltimore Colts as the biggest favorite to ever lose a Super Bowl, but I don't want to yeah. take I don't want to take the Pioneers back to 1969. No, I mean we like back to the future, but we can't go back that far. We got to stop at 1985. So he I know Shula winning his coach of all time. I he might have one ring. Uh Marv Levy, one of the winningest coaches of all time. Uh, he lost four in a row. It's good to see Andy Reid get over that get over that hump and uh, and get his ring. He's not a more deserving coach right now in the NFL in my eyes who needed to uh, complete that hurdle for his career. So there was a lot of other things that happened at the Super Bowl, dude, besides the game. I mean, the game itself was pretty standard fare, uh, but we had uh, the commercials. Um, I thought the uh, the uh, National Anthem by Demi Lovato was fantastic. I thought that was excellent. I thought the commercials were eh, okay. Yeah, I don't really have a commercial. that The Jason Momoa commercial was good, where he pulled off his muscles and his abs and his hair. Yeah, I thought the Cheetos one stood out, too. I liked the Cheetos one. Now, what was the Cheetos one? Because it didn't stand out to it me. It was... Um... I can't Remind totally, me. I can't totally resurrect it off the top of my head. I just remember watching it saying this yeah. one is this one's pretty good. Oh, the yeah. Mr. Peanut, the Mr. Peanut one where they grew the baby peanut. That one was yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything's going baby now since baby yeah. grew and baby Yoda. So everything's going to have a baby version at this point. So baby Mr. Peanut was a decent one. Uh, 
you know, too much, too much public service announcements, too much politics, but oh, well, that's the world we live in, I guess. Yeah. And then obviously, obviously the uh, PG-13 rated halftime show. PG-13. And in the era I grew up in, it would have been X. Holy crap. They would have thrown Elvis couldn't even get his hips shown on the Ed Sullivan show. Oh, my, my dad would have went and put a uh, masking tape across the screen. Like they used to do in the old WWF when someone was bleeding for crying <laughs> out loud. I thought Shakira was awesome. I've never been a big fan of JLo anyway. Um, I think they could have toned it down a little bit. I didn't think they have to go. I didn't think they had to go that far. I don't think it's as offensive as people are making it out to be either. However, I don't think. You know, same thing last year with Levine running around with his shirt off and everything going crazy the way he was and Beyonce a few years ago and all that. I think I think it still has to be framed in some type of national family event. Sure. Um, and I think that that kind of halftime show is just a little bit too much for it to be labeled as a family event. I can buy I that. Can, I, I can buy that. That's a little over the top. I would not. A little bit. I'm not. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. And by the way, that's coming from that's coming from uh, Ply himself, who, who's who's, you know, we fully recognize that 50 years old and 43 years old, J-Lo and Shakira look like a million dollars plus. And that is, that's not the issue. Understood. I just was thinking yeah. that I was thinking of it from the standpoint of how am I going to explain to my 10 year old? Uh, yeah. What's, on, a, what's yeah, pole dancing here? Yeah. yeah. What's going on here? And yeah, uh, that's, that's what I mean. Like they, it was just a, I, and I know they're pushing the envelope, dude. I totally get it. I was a huge WWE fan in the nineties with the, um, uh, attitude era. And believe me, that was a mar- product marketed for adolescent boys, which shouldn't have been. And I was a teenager loving every second of, you know, the, 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 mud wrestling matches and the, and the brawn panty matches and everything else. So, but, uh, I think the NFL, especially in this era would have, could have just, well, they approved it. So, but I think they, they could have just, just toned it down 10%, 15%. I don't know, not nothing huge. Um, but otherwise you could tell the ladies were having a good time. You could tell they're very energetic. The crowd was into it. So it wasn't one of those stinker super bowl, um, halftime shows like we've seen some of them in the past are just like, oh my gosh, what did Pepsi pay for, you know? But, um, so that's it, dude. We have not gotten the ratings yet for Super Bowl 54, so that's something we can't talk about yet. I have not seen the uh, the official ratings for it. Um, is there anything else you want to cover with the Ply Rock Nation about Super Bowl 54? Is there anything else that stood out to you? Yes, there's one, there's one big thing that, uh, my guess is that has really not been touched upon and I found it fascinating and, you know, my hot take may sound um, a little far-fetched or a little conspiratorial, but it is what it is. There, there was a point where Troy Aikman on the broadcast, who does a pretty good job, he gets a little heat, picking on the broadcasters is simple. Troy, I like Troy. I, Troy does a pretty good job and he knows of what he speaks. So yeah, was, obviously he does, yeah, you know, it was exactly like, I, I love these guys. Oh, you know, Aikman doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, really? You know, he's yeah, got, okay. He's his got fingers 10, say yeah, otherwise. Right. He's got 10 pounds of rings on his hand, but nonetheless, I know. Yeah. So be it. 
So Troy Aikman during the broadcast, and this was, you know, as the game was tied and, and San Francisco had edged ahead and Mahomes was getting frustrated and all this. And it was going into that narrative of, of Kansas City really wasn't reaching their potential. It was four different occasions where Kansas City set their offense up and Aikman circled the guy on the bottom of the screen. And it was Sammy Watkins. It was the right side. And he said, this guy's got one-on-one coverage. I mean, I think at some point, you know, you got to throw your guy open and you got a true one-on-one. And the fact, mm-hmm. of, the matter, yeah, and the fact of the matter is when you do have a true one-on-one in the NFL like that, especially on the sideline, there's no chance of a safety coming over and really disrupting it. Sure. That, that guy's not going to be wide open. You throw him open, you throw your playmaker ball, and you see what happens. Yeah. And the key play at 2017 that, mm-hmm. led, that led to the go-ahead touchdown – was Aikman circled the guy and they threw a 30-yarder down the field on the right sideline to Sammy Watkins, who had a step and a half on the guy, caught the ball, and that set up the go-ahead touchdown. You cannot tell me that somebody didn't get to read or be enemy at some point and say, you know what? This is about the fourth time Aikman has circled this guy down at the bottom of the screen. You hey, know? someone's got the Super Bowl uh, of television course. feed going in the sidelines. I mean, that's not... Of course. That's not of, illegal. Of course. Yeah. We're yeah. not talking about banging on garbage cans and whistles, you know? Yeah. 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 We're talking. That's finally, funny. somebody says, Hey, we got Sammy Watkins at the bottom here. And who did they hit in that huge play? Sammy Watkins. Well, if Troy Aikman take. just circle, I mean, if that's a good hot take, I just think that if Sammy, if, if Troy Aikman circles Sammy Watkins every play, eventually he's going to be right anyway. So, just circle him every play and go, he should be hitting this guy wide open. He should be hitting this guy wide open. And then eventually on the 12th circle, he's going to hit him for a pass. And you go, I told you, I've been telling you guys forever. He's got to hit this guy. So that's <laughs> eventually valid. Mahomes is going to throw it to Sammy Watkins. That is valid. But there is a point where there's, there's guys, Troy Aikman is one. He's very good. Tony Romo is a whole nother level. Tony Romo tells you what's going to happen before it happens, and it usually happens. He's, he's Cowboys fans wish that happened on the field. Oh, he's he's unbelievable on the broadcast. He's a good he's a good broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. but Aikman literally circled that. You know, finally, 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 they go to that one on one, and Richard Sherman got exposed. He got yeah. exposed in the fourth oh, quarter. That's so sad. Um, another thing to keep in mind: at 24 years old now, Mahomes joins Tom Brady as the youngest. Uh, quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl younger than 25. Uh, and then also he beats Emmett Smith's record. Emmett Smith was 24 years old, 260 days as the youngest NFL player with MVP honors to win the Super Bowl with Troy Aikman, obviously. So there's a lot of fun stuff there. Uh, the Chiefs hadn't won a Super Bowl in exactly 50 years, I believe. Yes. And they finally pulled one in. Um, it and it's crazy. He won the MVP with two interceptions, which is absolutely insane. And on top of that, in the 49ers final four drives of the Super Bowl, which resulted in no points, obviously, um, they gained 49 yards. Yeah, and probably took about I don't know six or seven total minutes off the clock. I mean, yeah, it was once just that momentum shifted. It, it was, was over. So clear. It, it looked like Jimmy G was looking for a toilet for crying out loud. It it looked bad, and that's exactly how it went down. You could see yeah. it from a mile away. It's, it's. I think Jimmy G's by the way has a bright future in the NFL. I agree I think, wholeheartedly. 
I think Mahomes does too. I think you could see this matchup again. I, I don't foresee, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think the Niners got a lot of uh, free agency stuff going about to go down here, which could break up this team. Um, there, uh, but uh, I think Kansas City set, and I and I thought it was really telling that this is the year that two younger than they're not even in their prime yet. Two younger than in their prime quarterbacks led amazing teams to the Super Bowl, while the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers of the last kind of generation, which is kind of now starting to hand it off, no pun intended to this generation. They were on the sidelines for the first time. The, you know, the, the Eli Mannings, the Peyton Mannings, like that era is starting to come to a complete close. And now the Mahomes and the Garoppolo's and the, uh, uh, you know, those younger quarterbacks are now starting to uh, take the, take the uh, ball and run with it, you know, to the house, baby, to the house. Absolutely. And that was a good one. That to the house thing worked uh, the way they kind of phased it into the actual broadcast. That one, that one kind of worked, but you know, Mahomes is a no brainer, but let's not throw shovels of dirt on Jimmy G yet. I do think he has a bright, oh, he's future. A bright future. I of think course. he has a bright future. And there's, there's a number of quarterbacks who went on to incredibly successful careers who did not have a good first Super Bowl. And the, the one that comes to mind, even though he won it, is Ben Roethlisberger in the Super Bowl against Seattle. I believe it was Super Bowl 39. Again, I don't have a ton of notes in front of me, but I believe it was Super Bowl 39. Would have been somewhere around 05, somewhere in there, where they beat Seattle. I have ne- never in my life of watching football and watching the Super Bowl, uh, mainly the Super Bowl, seen a team get a worse whistle in a Super Bowl than the Seattle Seahawks got in that Super Bowl. Now, oh, yeah, I now Steeler fans, of course, will go off the rails because they're rabid, and that's great. That's what makes them fans. That's fine. Yeah, that's and fine. that's fine. That's that's what we do. But, I mean, if any team ever got jobbed in a Super Bowl, it was the Seattle Seahawks and that one. Ben was terrible. Roethlisberger was abysmal. Yeah. And we see where that has gone now. Obviously, lately he's had some injuries and this, that, and the other. But he's been, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think uh, uh, I don't think that is really too far outside the pale to think that uh, Jimmy G can have a very similar career. I, I think he's pretty good. He missed a couple shots. He missed that uh, after yeah, he he overthrew that big one. Well, Emmanuel Sanders splits the double team uh, about 15 yards into that route. He splits the double team. He's got a stride and a half at about the 10 yard line, and a stride and a half in the NFL is a mile and a half in real life. Jimmy G's got to drop that ball in there and he overthrows him by five yards. And you just saw the San Francisco sideline kind of have that look of, uh Oh, that's, a yeah, game that's a game changing yeah. miss. You know, it's a, that was a opportunity missed. And it's just as important in a game like that, where three or four plays decide everything, a missed, yeah, oppor- a missed opportunity is just as big as a executed opportunity. You cannot miss those in the Super Bowl. Like I, I have seen too many of those. I've seen, I've seen the Bills go into halftime, winning thirteen to six against the Dallas Cowboys. First play from scrimmage, third quarter. Thurman Thomas fumbling the ball. Game over. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen enough in my lifetime to know that when you're open, you better hit them. 
and they better get in the end zone because momentum. Once the momentum shifts, everybody can feel it generally in the Super Bowl. Um, they're not. There's a few Super Bowls where the momentum goes back and forth, like the uh, the the Patriots and the Panthers come to mind for me, which was a gunslinging classic back. Well, in, I think that was the the wardrobe. That was when yeah, a wardrobe malfunction at halftime. It sure was. And that that's when was- it that's when it wasn't the whole halftime show like it was this year, but it was actually like a surprise. The wardrobe malfunction yeah. that year, and that but it game- was. That game was nine to six or ten to six or something like that at halftime, and it just exploded. Yeah, I remember half that game. What was that kid's name? Who was the quarterback for the Panthers? Jake Delhomme. Jake Delhomme. Jake Delhomme. That kid was gunslinging with Tom Brady, shot for shot, just throwing bombs. Both of them throwing bombs, like just. I think they each scored like twenty-five or thirty points in like the fourth quarter. And then, obviously, DeLome ran out of gas towards the end. His team ran out of gas right at the end. But it was – that was one of the few that I remember, like, the momentum was constantly back and forth. But generally in the Super Bowl, like a Niners versus Chargers Super Bowl with Steve Young, I, yeah. remembered, I remember knowing within the first three or four minutes, Stan Humphreys, I think, was the quarterback of the Chargers of the at Chargers, the time. Yes, yes he was. I remember knowing within like a few minutes, this game's over. Like you could just feel it. Like it was just Junior Seau, I think, was on that team, the Chargers team, uh, Hall of Famer, linebacker. Uh, you could just see they all just knew within a few minutes of Steve Young, watching Steve Young's uh, ballet ability to throw the ball, like a like just he was sewing. You know what I mean? Like he was just the Betsy Ross of quarterbacks. Yeah, and that was one of the just, biggest spreads. Also, that was a, I believe that was a sixteen and a half point spread in that game. The Niners won by twenty two or twenty three. Yeah, they smoked them. And smoked uh, them. and um, the uh, the Chargers had three pops at the end zone. You know, hail marys just at the end that meant nothing except to the number. So people were glued to the TV, even though it was a twenty three point game because. One meaningless touchdown at the end could have blown up. Yeah, the I remember that. But uh, yeah, that Super Bowl was—I mean, that was that was a mismatch, much like the one where they played the Broncos. That well, the game. NFC, the NFC won the Super Bowl like what eighteen or nineteen years in a row for that long stretch. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was a dominant. It was a level of dominance where well, the Broncos got destroyed twice. Right, exactly, and the forty. The Bills got beat up for well, the Bills got beat. They got beat up pretty bad twice. Uh, they well, lost, they to the lost Giants. by one point to the Giants on, you know, yeah, well, wide right. But. I, if you want me to recite all the scores, yeah. I can. But <laughs> so the Bills lose their four, the De- Broncos lose their two, uh, the Chargers get killed. I mean, it was for, it was a good decade and a half. Oh, NFC dominance was a legitimate thing. Yes, Brett Favre, Brett Favre and the Packers beat up the Patriots with uh, Drew Bledsoe. The first time the Patriots went back since getting eaten alive by the Chicago Bears. Well, exactly. Um, if you go back to 85, if you go back to the 85 Bears, I mean, 85 was the Bears, 86 was the Giants, 87 was the Redskins, 88 was the Niners, I believe. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it was it was NFC NFC dominance there. All the way to the Patriots, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Because the Rams were doing it too. That's correct. The Rams, yeah. So until until – so – 
Well, and the Cowboys had three in there in the nineties too. Correct. The Cowboys had their three against the bills and the, and the Steelers. So it was just a unbelievable run by the NFC. So it's good to see parody now in the NFL, the NFC wins, the AFC wins, et cetera. Even though the, the AFC has kind of been more dominant now because of the Patriots and, um, over the span of this last decade and a half, you know, it's been more the AFC's turn, but let's turn our attention real quick to football's not over mall dog football really starts on February 8th. Oh, do tell because that's when ply rock is going to take over this sports section a little bit for once. And I'm going to talk about Vince McMahon's XFL. I am so ready for the XFL to be relaunched. Uh, I have total confidence that Vince McMahon has learned most of his mistakes from the first time. I will say, I remember the first season of the NF of the XFL. I remember the football being absolutely atrocious for the first few games that they played. I remember by the end of the season, when a lot of the viewers had already left, I remember the football being damn good. I remember Tommy Maddox, who was the only XFL champion. He won the XFL championship with L.A. Uh, He was eventually picked up uh, and started for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, he did. And was a halfway decent quarterback until I think it was slash slash Cordell Stewart took his job. But uh, the XFL starts next week. We're going to have the complete rundown when uh, when that happens here on uh, Ply and the Muldog. We're going to go over the rules. We're going to go over the games. Ply is going to tell you his favorite team. He's going to tell you right now his favorite team is owned by Vince McMahon. So take your pick, which one you think it is. Uh, I'm really excited for the XFL next week. So overall, Super Bowl B minus. Is that fair? That's fair. C plus B minus. I like it. Okay. All right. So we're going to turn our attention, guys, real quick to a, a few big updates in the world of the Ply Rock Nation. Number one, I just wanted to go over quickly the schedule for the live video game show this week, the week of February 3rd through February 9th, and I'll be going live here in a few minutes after this broadcast is finished. Tonight we're playing Fortnite. Tomorrow night we're going to be doing our co-stream with Snow, Dying Light on our Tuesdays. Wednesday, don't forget to catch the horror stream so you can watch me change diapers live on stream. Thursday, we got Mortal Kombat 11. Friday night, it's Ply's Choice. Last week, it was Pioneer's Choice. This week, it's my choice. Saturday, I'm going to the spa, so I won't be streaming. I'm going to get my hair and nails done so I look pretty. And then Sunday, we're going to be playing a classic, Max Payne 3 by Rockstar, which is an unbelievable, testosterone-filled, crazy fest. If you've never seen Max Payne, come on in. It'll be a good time. Most streams start at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're almost at 8,000 followers. I appreciate what you guys are doing. And lastly, uh, Moldog, got some big news to announce for all the Ply Rock Nation. This is the first year. Oh, yeah, big news, baby. Come on now. Let's do it. This is the first year, and this is the third year that Ply has been streaming. This is the first year that Ply Rock will attend the the PAX East Expo in Boston, Massachusetts, February 28th through March 1st. Yours truly, President Ply, is going to head to that expo with all the biggest names in streaming, video games, video game merch, and sponsors. 
and he's going to represent the Ply Rock Nation. So I'm so excited because of all your support for our live show, because of your growing support now for our podcast, Ply is going to be able to go there, shake hands, meet streamers, make connections, and see if we can take this even farther down the field so we can all get in the end zone together. Did you see what I did there? You I, see saw, what I, like, I saw what you, you did. See how I tied that in? I, I tied that in there? Uh, well, that's why you're high. <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure why you would say see if. I think yeah. you meant see when you get When? Paid. You're right. You're right. I'm trying to be more humble. Well, I so <laughs> anyway, guys, we just wanted to give you guys a quick half-hour recap of Super Bowl 54. This is going to be going live late Monday night if you're listening to it somewhere down the road. Uh, we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at Ply and the Moldog. You can find us at Ply and the Moldog. Dog is spelled D-A-W-G because he's a special kind of dog. And then also you can find us at Ply Rock Gamer. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Ply Rock Gamer. That's P-L-Y-R-O-C-K-G-A-M-E-R. And then also we have uh, all our links on the website at plyrocknation.com, including the link to this podcast. So, Moldog, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate your time. I uh, well, needed I to can't... bring some hot takes that you're not going to hear on all the other talking heads in the uh, yeah, absolutely. sports media blogosphere. And then just uh, we'll do our regular show later on this week. So they'll be they'll be getting a regular episode re- later on this week where, uh, you know, I'm going to bring some topics to the table that are probably going to get under Moldog's skin a little bit. But that's well, what you, I'm supposed to do. Uh, OK, but you do realize baseball I, is XFL. I mean, baseball season is also going to happen. So let's not. Uh, yeah, well, pitchers and catchers is coming, <laughs> uh, but that really doesn't count until May 1st or well, April today, 1st, April 1st. Today was truck day, actually. Yeah, I saw that. Today but, was truck day, so Moldog gets excited about truck day, just like you get excited about AFL, uh, XFL. So. AFL, yeah, you're going old school, man. You're well, going Kansas City one, you know, kind of excited. Yeah. Little <laughs> AFL, XFL, my bad. All right, guys, thanks for joining us on this special edition of Ply in the Moldog. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Really helps us out. Leave a leave a review if you can. It really helps us out to move up in the search rankings. Share it if you know somebody else who enjoy it. Come join us on the Facebook page. Leave some feedback, some things you guys want to hear about. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're right. Tell us why we're handsome or tell us why we're ugly. We'll see you guys next time. Love you. I'm out. Peace.